Welcome to episode 23 of the Dra- of the Draft Champions podcast. I'm Zach, your host. You can find me at uh, Zach Roto on Twitter. And I'm here, uh, special guest today, Mike Alexander. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Roto underscore Juan, um, R-O-T-O underscore W-A-N. Um, and he's uh, he's affiliated with Razzball and Fantasy Alarm. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing good, Zach. Thanks for having me on. That's great. So uh, before we get into it, and I know that uh, the Raz Slam is starting uh, next week, um, but uh, why don't you when you give me a, when you give, when you give everyone a rundown of what you do for Razzball and Fantasy Alarm, so everyone knows if they don't already. Sure. Yeah. So over at Razzball, uh, my focus is Sagnoff. It's short for saves slash steals. Ain't got no face. Uh, you know, you just got to get those stats anyway. You you can get them, and. Uh, so this offseason, I, I did a preview each week of each division for their bullpens with uh, four pitchers, uh, the projected closer, the setup man, a useful arm, and a save start. And then as, as well as over at Fantasy Alarm, I do an advanced analytics uh, weekly post where I just kind of bounce around from a different analytic each week to kind of get people's feet wet. You know, I, I'm not... I'm not the smartest uh, guy in the room for sure, uh, or the the best statistician. Uh, but I, you know, I, I've had some exposure that the average person probably hasn't through. Uh, you know, I don't know, man. I read your uh, I read your fly index. That's pretty. Uh, it goes pretty in depth. And you said it sounds like a very intelligent article. I'm sort of teasing it, but uh, yeah, you know, I think you I, might be selling. You might be selling yourself a little short. Well, I appreciate that. And to be honest, Brian Cray, my, my partner in that is, is the statistician and, and he's, you know, kind of the brains and I do the typey typey and, and kind of polish it all up. But uh, <laughs> do the typey typey. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, really lucky to have him in, in that endeavor, but yeah. So, you know, just, just kind of look at different things, things people haven't considered. Um, you know, we, we look at fly index a few times throughout the year uh, looking at things like a two week moving average, um, or a differential on, you know, hard hit rate, things like that, that, you know, maybe, maybe the average player uh, or the, the, you know, players who haven't gone down the rabbit hole as far yet, haven't come across that kind of thing. Right on. So the fly index, that sort of sounds like, um, like an index of how cool you are. <laughs> that's, I, I could maybe like brand that in the hip hop world as well. Yeah, actually that's not, may not be a bad idea. I go to like, go take, take all the rappers, and uh, see what their fly index is. Yeah, I think just I, I, I think that sentence alone just made my fly index just go down. Yeah, I'm, I'm, my, my fly index is is very minimal. I'm one of the whitest guys you'll meet. So, yeah, I think um, I think um, baseball analysts and uh, fly indexes. If we're yeah. talking about like how we're talking about it, they're, there's probably a pretty they're probably pretty heavily correlated uh, negatively. Yeah, like quite quite the R squared there. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right, so how's your TGFBI going? Uh, you know, I'm fairly happy with it. Uh, it. It's as always. It's always. It's a super tough room. You know, I, I got the the misfortune of picking between uh, Jeff Erickson and Ed DeCaria of Baseball HQ, uh, and honestly, it's uh, the like on the way on the way in. Ed, Ed usually snipes the person I'm interested in. Uh, then Jeff, you know, will take one of the, the people on the way on the way back to me. And then whoever I was debating taking or like hoping would maybe last, Ed takes right away, you know, especially nice. if it's a pitcher. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's, a good, it's, a, it's a good way to get used to some of like the, the more high stakes leagues you're going to play them. Like you, yep. you're, you're not you're not getting like I've been I've been having to I've been reaching uh, with respect to ADP quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know, every year that happens, you kind of have to like reset your uh, your expectation of like, okay, just it's 15 teams. People aren't going to fall. Um, and, and like you said, you know, e- even some of the, the high stakes stuff, like the, the draft champions leagues, they're competitive, but uh, maybe, maybe in TGFBI, there's just people are looking to grab players that, that would be splashy or, you know, uh, have a high mark on them and be able to say I'm the high man on 
Denelson, Lamette, things like that. So exactly. Um, I actually got Denelson, Lamette, which I was, I was surprised about because he wasn't even my first choice because I was getting a snipe. But I think um, the fact that there's no trades involved in these leagues makes um, ADP less relevant because. Yeah. Well, not less relevant, but just I think you're more likely to just get the person that fits your team or the person that you want, um, regardless of ADP. But. Yeah, that's that's a big part of it because it's you know unless even in the middle, you know, if you're at a turn especially, mm-hmm. you're going to have no shot. It's it's twenty eight picks, you know, twenty picks between between your your longest spots and yeah. Gonna... I'm sort of on the turn. What 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 spot do you have? Uh, I got ten uh, last year. I looked into the 2018 winners and where they picked from. And it was very largely like middle to, to, to late middle round. Uh, I haven't got to do it for 2019 yet. Um, but uh, Errol Cohen did a little bit of, of research at the end of the season and seemed like it, it was the same kind of theme. You know, it's definitely guys that were somewhere in, in the mid to late rounds. Um, you so know. Is, is that, is actually, I've never looked into that. Is that something that's sort of sticky year over year? Um, because I would, I wouldn't fit I would, like, um, at first thought, I wouldn't think that it would be sticky because ADP changes every year and you're in different categories go at different times and saves go to, saves go um, earlier and then later year to year. So I wouldn't think that it would be like, okay, yeah, that mid, like late to mm-hmm. mid to late round pick usually does well because I think it could change year over year. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I haven't done a study on that, but my, my general thinking of why it, it happens that way is being in the middle of a 15-team draft, you're just able to adjust better. You're able to absorb values as they fall, where, you know, if you get the first pick, you're like, yay, Mike Trout, but then, you know, the values through that second round have all been kind of sucked up. And then, you know, you get somebody that you have to probably reach on who's a middle third rounder. Now you're overpaying a little bit. And that just kind of happens to you over and over. Yeah, I feel like I, I think the, the the turn like being one of the first three picks this year is very valuable. I think I think you, I think I you have an advantage in those fifteen team leagues. That's just my that's just my thoughts because I think uh, like the second round the values sort of evaporate after like mm-hmm. pick twelve if wraps wraps around. So pick twelve and you're a sixteen seventeen eight like eight after eighteen players you're sort of um it sort of falls off a bit in terms of being able to get one of those elite pitchers or getting someone that can get uh, hit all the categories, including speed. But um, yeah. I think like, yeah, yeah, you gotta, you, especially in the turn, like I'm picked, I've been picked three. I've had to reach, like I took Ozzy Albies in the second round. Um, right. And just, you gotta, you gotta reach for players when you're, when you're on that turn. Um, yeah. So that just kind of puts you in, you know, you just have less margin for error doing that where in the middle, you know, you, you don't quite have to do that as much. And, you know, when, when the closer run starts or the catcher run starts, you're not, you're not forcing something. Yeah. There's pros and cons to, to both things. So, um, TGFBI, I think that there was 300 participants more, maybe close to 400 this year or whatever. Yeah, definitely a big group. Like at least 26 leagues that I at least 26 leagues that I know about times 15. So yeah, it's going to be like almost 400. So, it's, uh, how many, um, segueing, uh, the Razzlam. How many participants are in the Razzlam this year? Because that starts March second, right? Yep, uh, March second, and uh, it was it was in the mid-teens there. Let me let me look up real quick. Donkey Teeth was slowly tweeting out the uh, the lead. It was slow because I saw someone else sent me their team, and I was waiting like a, a yeah, he was doing like a slow drip. So I actually I actually had to check to see if I like, got kicked out of the league. <laughs> <laughs> like I hope I'm in the next league. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so there's 18 and they're, they're 12 team leagues. So, okay, so do the math 18 times 12 is well, 12 times 12 is 144, so six times 12 is 72, so about 220 ish. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's the first year, a little smaller, but uh, we wanted to maintain a three to one analyst to fan ratio. Um, uh, that way, it still felt uh, on the competitive side, you know. I, I think there's plenty of pretty good fans in there as well. That's cool. Before we end, I want to, I want to, I want to dive into the wrestling, but before we, before we, before we get into that, I want to say that like the TGFBI started this week, wrestling was starting next week. And I do have a special announcement. This podcast has created um, another league. It's just a one league. So there's just one league of 15 teams this year, but I'm, I'm thinking it might expand uh, in, in coming years. It's called the battle of the podcasts. And there's 15 podcasts that are going to go, go up against each other in a, in a draft champion. So it's, it is a different format. The, the, 
And TGFBI is your Roto League, but it's, uh, I think, 30-man rosters with waivers. Um, Rasslam you'll get into. That's, that's, uh, that's a whole different format altogether. But this is their draft and hold 50 round. No trades, no waivers, and it's going to be 15 of the, the podcast. And, I'll, and uh, I'll tease it a little bit. There's our podcast. We have uh, Bases Loaded. Um, we have uh, Bat Flip Crazy. And I'm, I don't want to tease all the, all the people, but we've had um, a lot of people, a lot of great names participating. I won't say them all because we'll probably leak it out eventually. That's a little, that's a little teaser, but very excited about that. So uh, we, have a, we have somebody uh, from Rasball. We have Rasball represented as well. We have Pitchers List represented. Um, it's going to be awesome, I think. Very excited. But um, what, I, what I want you to talk about is uh, Raz, uh, the wrestling. Right. So uh, Rasslam is basically we, we took the NFBC's cut line product and they were kind enough to let us borrow it for our own private league of uh, industry invitees, as well as some fans who uh, won lotteries or were Rasball subscribers that got a little boost in that, things like that. Uh, so <clears throat> we bumped it from 10 teams to 12, make it a little more competitive. And cut line is best ball if you're unfamiliar. Um, which means, you know, it's a points league. You're going to draft your roster and there's only two fabs. It's the only best ball platform that has fabs. There's an early April fab where you're really only correcting some very, you know, minor things at the end of your roster. Luis Severino, but I guess that won't happen in this case, but stuff, right. stuff like that, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've, I haven't, I've had the good fortune of not drafting him in, in any cut lines, but uh, there's definitely, he's on rosters. So, you know, how many, how many cut lines have you, have you done? Uh, probably about a half dozen cut lines. That's not bad. Hey, just, I just want to, I just want to say that you, you triggered, you triggered my memory that you've, you're teaming up with the NFBC and you're sort of modifying their cut line. Um, I do have to thank the NFBC because they've also hosted, they're also going to host the battle of the podcast and we're sort of mirroring their, their draft champions forecast. So that, that, um, that's going to be our platform as well. And we're really happy to work with them, but, um, yeah, yeah. the guys there have been great and, and, you know, they're, they're willing to listen and, and, uh, and that's just, that's across everything. You know, if you're playing on their platform, they're happy to talk to you. Uh, so yeah, they're awesome. definitely give them a shot if you haven't. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so, you know, the, the, there's a second fab in June where rookies that weren't, you know, necessarily like, like Joe Adele will obviously be drafted or yep. uh, things like that. But there's, there's always some surprise rookies. Um, I can't remember if Jordan Alvarez was drafted in many last year, but I don't think he was. I wouldn't think he would be. No. Um, he wasn't really even on my radar for these for the DCs last year. Right. Um, so, yeah, and then there's, there's 42 rounds. So it's a very, it's a very deep draft, uh, and we're adding two more teams, and it's going to be that much deeper. But the waivers are thin. So mostly what you draft is what you've got. So the, the, the kind of goal here is to see who is the best drafter, who's got the best rankings, um, and – kind of isolated to that because TGFBI is great to see who's a good drafter, who's a good in-season player. And probably the in-season side of that carries more uh, over the course of, you know, the whole, the entire season and over all the leagues. So you can't just draft a good team. You really have to stay after it. And there were so many lead changes last year. It was great competition. Um, so uh, there was a, po- there was a poll on Twitter and we had Mike Masato on our show. I don't know if you know, Mike, he's yep. a high stakes player. And he's, he was just basically ripping this pull to shred saying that like, why would you even ask what's more important, the draft or in season management? Mm-hmm. He was saying the draft is just by far the most important thing. I mean, you know, it's, he it's was chicken just, he, and egg. Like, he was basically calling the poll stupid. Because <laughs> he's saying whoever posted this poll, actually, I actually don't know who posted the poll, but he's saying this, this is stupid um, to even ask the question. Yeah, I mean, you you know, if you don't draft, if you draft the wrong team, you're dead in the water. Like, obviously, but if we're if we're talking about the overall competition, like, you can't just draft a good team. That the, the guy who wins that is going to get lucky in season, or you know, just be executing really well in season, putting out fires, fixing things. And you know, I, I'm not I'm not going to uh, try to go head to head with Mike because. <laughs> You know, obviously he's got more experience on the, on the platform than I do. And, and he's probably won more leagues there than I have for sure. So don't worry. He doesn't listen to anything that he's not on. So <laughs> <laughs> you, you can add him and say, you know, I was talking crap. Yeah, no, but he still won't listen. He'll, he'll just, he'll just respond. He'll respond without even listening to the podcast. Right. <laughs> you're wrong. I don't know what you said. But yeah. He, I, I don't care what you said, but you're wrong. Yeah, exactly. Um, so in, in these, in the, in this best ball format, do you have, um, I guess I'm, I'm relatively new to it. So I've done, I've done one cut line this year. That's mm-hmm. it. And I, I was relatively new and, uh, John L from MLB moving averages. He, 
he was on the show. He was on the show at podcast a couple times, and he was. T- and we did a best ball. Uh, we did a best ball episode. And he sort of gave me a little tutorial. Um, I, I used the best as I could, but it was my first. It was really my first crack at doing a best ball. And I also did the, the prospect live best ball dynasty, but that's really a different cat um, altogether. Yeah. Um, but there are players that that hold more value in best ball than when you're when if you're if you're talking to a player that just does roto like myself. So if you were to t- if you were to sort of highlight some of the players that that are in particularly valuable in best ball versus I guess your five by five categories. Right. I think they got the guys that walk, right? More. Yeah. You know, the, the OBP d- does have an aspect there uh, on the cut line platform. Cause it's, it's um, a minus one per at bat, I believe. Uh, so you, you got to have guys that can get on base power plays up uh, pitching innings and strikeouts are, are obviously huge for points. Generally speaking, the players that are a concern for ratios, you know, uh, I know Joey Gallo had a pretty good batting average for his his usual self last season, but like that's coming fake. into last year, that's, he, that's fake though. Yeah, like that you can't expect that again. Um, but like you know, in, in a cut line because of his power, like it just washes that all away. You just get mm, the net points, right? Um, pitchers that have a bad whip, uh, you know, like a Lance Lynn, but can still give you a lot of innings and solid strikeouts. Um, you know, they're nice on here because that's, that's not a concern at all, really. Yes, you lose points for walks, earn runs, hits, things like that. But um, it, you're not smoothing that ratio. You just have to hope that the strikeouts and the innings are, are going to net you more points than, than the bad parts. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 I enjoy it because it's simpler. You're, you know, I love Roto. Uh, it'll always be my preferred season-long platform. But uh, when you're drafting best ball, it has to be points pretty much. And then um, – it's it just it's an easier way to look at it and say okay uh these are the guys i like these are the guys that I, I think can break out i'm not worried do i have enough speed do i have enough uh power um you know do i have the strikeouts you're, you're just you're just drafting for a points platform um so do, now, do the do the does the, does the point uh scoring system on in the Raslam mirror the cut line yeah, it's the exact same as the cut line. Okay, um, because that that is that is different than your fan tracks, best balls, and stuff like that as well. Like if people play that, correct? Yeah. So so the, there's basically three platforms out there: the NFBC and BB10s are the same scoring system and same fan ball kind of parent company. There, um, NFBCs are are much deeper and more expensive. Um, but then over on. Uh, over on fan tracks, you got tracks tens or, or the entry point. That's their $10 product. Really nice uh, kind of clean way to jump into a draft and you can draft a bunch of them. I usually keep one going like at all times in the, in the early off, in the early off season, just you know, get familiar with the player pool to get your ADPs tuned up, you know, see who's, who's going to get some helium. Um, and it's really made me a much stronger drafter when, when I'm at my, uh, you know, my, my preferred leagues. Um, and then over on RTS Sports, they've got uh, their Draft Masters, which uh, it's a different product because it's a very short roster. It's a 26-man roster, uh, 10 bench spots, seven pitching spots, and then the rest are um, position players. And it's, you know, with that, with that few picks, um, there's a lot left out there in the universe that it's not going to be on a team. So one, you know, you have to, you have to take the guys you want, you know, you're making a decision. You're not going to have to go really deep like a DC or a cut line uh, and, and have three, four guys at every position. You can only back up each position really once. So, you, you know, you, you can't, can't keep taking shortstops because you love how, how deep shortstop is. Well, now you've only got, you know, you've got three shortstops. So you can only take one second baseman and, and in a best ball, that's no good. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's a nice product over there. If you're looking for something that's a little quicker, a little shorter, um, but it's been around a, a pretty long time. It's kind of a, you know, they, they don't get the most publicity, but um, it's a, it's a well-built product that I, I enjoy. Um, but yeah, so uh, just, you know, uh, getting back to, to Raz Slam, um, it's going to crown an overall champion and, you know, uh, you're going to get a nice little uh, young back company trophy at the end. You get a trophy at the end. Yeah, great, great springing for a trophy. So, any any um, any tips besides, I guess, we talked about which type of players to to draft. Any any tips for the Raz Slam that you would um, any I guess any strategic ways to build your roster um, that would be different than typical, or just anything in general that would be a, 
a strategic point. Yeah, I've, I've been getting a good amount of questions on Twitter lately and, and really appreciate them. So if you guys want to at me for anything, feel free to do it. Um, my, my Roto, number, Roto underscore one. Correct, correct. You know, my, my first piece of advice is to know the platform. They all draft differently. Uh, and you need to know where you are going early, what your roster construction is going to look like. Um, on almost all of them, pitching does kind of get pushed up. Uh, fan tracks and RTS, the scoring systems create, uh, they, they artificially inflate pitching. Uh, when you look at the raw points, pitchers score less than the, the best hitters. But uh, when you apply value above replacement, which basically says, you know, if there's going to be a hundred pitchers drafted, the hundredth uh, the pitcher is only more valuable than the hundred and first pitcher because number 101 would have been free. Um, when you compare that uh, pitching becomes, you know, much more uh, profitable. So yes, you you know you compare Mike Trout and Max Scherzer. You know Mike Trout probably has more raw points in in both of their ideal seasons, but Max Scherzer compared to pitcher one hundred and one in this example uh, is much better than Mike Trout compared to outfielder ninety one or whatever it might be. Exactly, that's a good point. Yeah. So, you know, on, on all the sites, like I'm saying, pitching is getting pushed up, especially RTS and fan tracks. Uh, the NFBC did a pretty good job. Uh, Todd Zola helped them create their scoring and it, it plays similar to Roto. So it doesn't quite push pitching up as much from a, a raw scoring standpoint, but the, um, the thing that pushes pitching there some is that you need a lot of it. You're, you're, um, you cycle through them a lot. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, so you're drafting 42 rounds. I want, if I can get close to 20 pitchers, I'm happy. You know, I want 17 to 20 pitchers Um, to get to that number and have like viable pitching. It's not easy. You're, you're, you're just got to stay after it. Don't, don't sleep on the pitching. Got to just keep getting it and getting it. And everyone else is doing that too. And, and, you know, in the early going, it can get a little bit deflated because, you know, people want those big hitters and in a cut line, it's 10 teams. Uh, so you're not like going, you know, you don't have to go crazy for pitching. It's there, but I'm happy to, to take the aces early. Um, yeah, I want two or three pitchers through my first five. That way I've got the, the table set and I can just keep drafting in a balanced uh, manner the whole way through. Right. Cool. So how do you, um, one more question about these, I guess, the cut lines. And I, I guess this doesn't exactly um, relate to the Raslam in particular, but how do you feel about leagues that have an overall prize? Do you play differently? Do you, do you like the leagues with an overall prize? Uh, you know, so <laughs> I love them. Um, probably to my own detriment, you know, you're, you're chasing the, the brass ring there. Uh, it's, it's not an easy thing to win. Um, I've had the good fortune of, of getting into to some of the, you know, making the cut line in some of them recently as, as I've gotten better as a player um, in both the NFL and, and the MLB side. So it's an exhilarating feeling to know that like you made the cut and, and you've got a shot at this prize uh, in the NFL. I, I came, I think I was 13th and you needed to be uh, the top 12 moved on to the oh, final week. It bubble like, boy. Yeah. And uh, you know, um, yeah, had some injuries there at the end that, that kind of uh, handcuffed me. So, um, but you know, that, you, bl- you blame, you blame an injury injuries. Is that, an, is, that, is that an excuse? I'm, I'm going there. Uh, <laughs> you know, I got, I got to get, I got to get in the NFFC. I haven't, I haven't tried the product yet. You know, I'm new to that completely. Yeah, I play a lot great. of, I play, I play a lot of football, but in like, you know, your home leagues, I haven't, I haven't yeah. branched out into the NFBC like I did for baseball, but I, I'm going to do that for football. Yeah, um, you, you would, you would like it a lot. Um, but yeah, I, like I had Dalvin cook, you know, and, and, uh, uh yeah the, the week before the final week um but yeah so anyway uh yeah i i uh i definitely enjoy both both sides yeah the only the only thing i'm like i'm careful with about the overalls is some of the some of the, the like your return on investment because when you go into a, uh, a league with an overall you know what you're getting into you know what you know what you're paying and you know what the payouts are but in terms of um like for example these dcs you don't know how many how many leagues they're going to end up with because right. you could because this guy is in 96 leagues. Have you seen that guy? Um, I forget his name. Um, I, I, I Eric, don't, I'm not a hundred percent. But he's in, he's in 96 of these leagues. Yeah. There's oh, usually I, some people out there that are just uh, same thing over on fan tracks. Like that's not an overall, but you see like the same people over and over. And, and you got you know this guy, he's sunk $15,000 into these 150, like right? over 15 grand in these $150,000, $150 buy-ins. Yeah. There is, there is an overall prize of 300, but you don't like, 
I don't think you're not progressive, but like that's, um, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad because I'm, I've done like 15 of them myself. So, um, you know, if, if you get the bankroll man power to you, you get the, yeah, if you have the bankroll and like, um, I guess, you know, the, the other good thing I'll defend the NFBC in like, against what I just said in that no, no other, you don't, you don't have the opportunity to win that big prize because that's, that's what really drives you to, to, want to play fantasy is like you want to you want to win the big one like you were saying like the, it's just like that that brass ring right um yeah. but the one, the one and I, I analyze all these all the different formats and the one thing the one league that sort of stuck out to me was um something called the solo shot um, yeah and the solo shot um it, it it's capped at one entry per person and like this is like i want to dig into it this is great because they're, they're, they're basically, they're 15 team leagues. And uh, I think the benches are even, uh, even a little bit bigger than your, your Royal mm-hmm. Wire Online champions. So I'm like, okay, the, the draft matters more. So you can go deeper if you have a, if you know the player pool, you'll have an advantage. And so each league, each league, there's only 12 of these leagues. They're capping them at 12 and one entry per person. So there's going to be 15 times a thousand, there are a thousand bucks to enter times 12 leagues is 180 grand um, of entry fees. Now the, the prize pools are, um, they're paying out seventy seven hundred dollars per league, and if you plus there's an overall prize of thirty thousand going down. So basically, without going through all the math, is there you know what the payout's going to be? The payout's going to be one hundred forty four grand approximately out of one hundred eighty grand of, of buy-in. Anything mm-hmm. that, and that's going to guarantee you an over eighty percent over eighty percent re, uh, return on investment on that league. And that then there's still like a lot of um, there's still a lot of room left in those leagues. So like your ROI on that solo shot league is actually really really good and i've just noticed yep. that i don't know i've i don't know if it's going to fit into my bankroll personally but <laughs> same um, I, I saw it right away and i was like oh i love it and then got to the, I, to the if you have them if you have like I, I i entered um i entered into the, the i'm going to new york city for the auction it's a 15 a 1400 buy-in yeah and, um that's that's what i'm doing this year it's my first year getting serious into this um but if i already do it again i might have done the solo shot because the ROI there's an over there's an overall component check and your ROI is over 80%, which is like not what you can't say that about a lot of these other by a lot of these other leagues. So that, I don't know. That's like that's my little tangent on the solo shot. I think it's a, I think it's a great investment. If you, if you're, if you know the player pool and you, and you, and you, and you think you're, if, if you think you can do well, well in these roto wire onlines and you know, your player pool, it goes a little deeper. I think it's just great. Um, Agreed. So, what else were we going to talk about? So we talked about the, the wrestling. Okay. This is, this is what I really wanted to have you on and talking about is um, you, you had an article that just came out recently and you actually wrote an article back at the beginning of last year. And this is sort of an addendum to it. Um, it's about um, predicting home runs. So I'm not, um, it's called, I'll, I'll, I'll spoil it for you. It's called the fly index. Yep. We, oh, we already talked. Actually, I forgot. We already, we already, we already uh, name dropped it because we were using it in a different way, but so Mike, take us through what the fly index is, how, how it started and um, how it can be helpful. So in the 2019 off season, I, I, I'm a big fan of air yards over on the NFL side. Uh, Josh Hermsmeyer is one of the pioneers of that. Uh, it's one of the few useful uh, and like sticky stats in the NFL. Um, and I just thought like, if it's something that works for the NFL, that there should be a correlation in MLB and, the thing that seemed to be a natural fit was just how far people hit the ball, you know, fly, fly, um, I'm sorry, air yards over in the NFL is how far the ball travels to the different receivers through the air. Um, it takes away like yards after catch, things like that. And it doesn't have to be a completion. So it's just kind of a, a simplified way of, of seeing what, who the quarterback likes, what the offensive system, you know, where, where it pushes targets in a meaningful way, you know, not a, um, a check down way where, that could be inflated if you just looked at targets. So I went to Brian Cray, who, who you know, I've, I've been familiar with. So he's a, a really good statistician. He does a lot of nice work with Tableau and, and, and uh, visuals, things like that. And I gave him the idea. I said, here's where I'm at. I've got this idea. I don't know if there's anything to it. And he said, okay, I'll take a look. And he came back to me and said, you know, here's, I think there's something to it. Here's, here's some early findings. And the guy that really sticks out is Christian Yelich. And this was 20, looking at 2018's data. Be good, right? Christian Yelich? Yeah. So, <laughs> you, you know, what he did was he com- 
compared uh, the, the fly ball distance from 2018's first half to the home run rate on, in 2018's second half. And like there, there's a nice scatter plot. It's a, it's a nice vertical line the way you would like it to be. And then like way, way up in the right-hand corner, just miles out there by himself is Christian Yelich. Um, so what that's, what that was telling us is that Christian Yelich is 2018, even though the raw stats, the home runs, uh, they weren't uh, anything amazing the the potential was there and then in the second half he delivered on it so you know that that like just caught both of our eyes and he dug in deeper he found that there's a strong correlation at the uh, 85th percentile bat at ball event so to say that simply if a player hits the hits 100 balls puts 100 balls into play it's the 85th ball wherever wherever that ball's distance is that's their fly index and um you know, it's it's kind of like um, it, Tom Tango. Kind of, he, he, you know, one of the OGs of of baseball statistics, actually, like, kind of gave it a look over, and, and he said, "What you guys have basically created is barrels and near barrels by doing this." And um, it, it's like, you know, it's not just the best hits; it's giving us a profile of who's hitting the ball in the air and far, and. Um, you know, those are the hitters we want. It just kind of happened to, <laughs> to, I guess, luckily correlate with the 2019 happy fun ball. So a lot of these guys that, that were showing fly ball potential all of a sudden are hitting tons of home runs. Uh, and it was really fun to monitor in season. You know, like I said, over on, on fantasy alarm, I was putting out um, a weekly article with, with the analytics and probably once a month, check it in on fly index and seeing guys like Mitch Garver, their, their breakout happening and saying, you know what, this is legitimate. His fly index, he's one of the top in the league in fly index. Um, he's hitting the ball hard and far. Uh, it's not just fluke home runs. Uh, Gary Sanchez, he's always up at the top there. When he's healthy and he's playing, he's hitting home runs. You know, the best hitters are always up there. Mike Trout, uh, you know, uh, guys like, um, you know, this, this year looking at 2019, Miguel Sano is up there. Um, Nelson Cruz, these guys that have a profile of, of fly say, balls. Did you see Miguel Sano? Yeah, Miguel Sano. Music to my ears. I just, um... Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I did write in my piece. It's kind of interesting that the three, uh, <laughs> three twins. twins were right it's there, so... one, two, three. And, you know, Marwin Gonzalez came over a couple of years prior. Um, I don't, I can't confirm or deny anything on that front, but it's, it's interesting. It kind of, I have plenty of twins shares and, and I'm kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't love the idea that maybe there's something going on there, but um, you know, uh, I, I'm hoping it's just a matter of the twins offense has a, a type. They like guys who hit fly balls and hit him hard uh, and they built their offense in that fashion. Well, I think I looked at the, at the end of last season or near the, near the end of last season, um, the, um, home runs per plate appearances. I think that like the top 10 list was like littered with twins. So there's something about the twins and now even yep. Donaldson's going there that, um, so I think, uh, Garver, Sano, um, Nelson Cruz. And I think you had, um, uh, uh, Kepler on there as well. Um, yep. Yeah. Max Kepler had a really nice year with fly index. He was one of the guys that was actually predicted as a breakout, um, from his 2018 or uh, yeah, 2018 fly index coming into 2019. And there, there was something else I noticed that, that was um, sort of a result of that. Um, I looked at um, last year, like this wasn't like when the year was complete. This is like sometime almost when it was complete mid September. Um, only, a, only a certain, I think only um, nine players um, with over a certain amount of at bats scored over 50% of the time that they got on base. So that would be your runs divided by your hits and walks and hit by pitches. And three of the nine were twins. So Garver, um, Eddie Rosario and Buxton. And then I think if you went even further into the top 15, you'd have Kepler and Sano. So I think that might be more, and I think the rest of them are just sort of a, a hodgepodge of other players uh, ranging from like Devers, who was very good to like Jake Beresnik. Um, But I think that just shows that um, that home, that, that lineup is just so home run friendly for whatever reason, then you're adding Donaldson. So I think they're going to, they're just going to score a lot of runs. And I think, like they're they're going they're they're getting priced in in drafts like they're 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 going to cost you they're going to cost you and they're moving up drafts but I think that's just such it could be fantasy gold that Twins lineup yeah for sure um, 
you know, there, there's even like like Byron Buxton had a pretty nice improvement in his fly I, index last I season. Read the, I read that in your article. Even yeah. though, you know, the, the overall numbers, I guess, aren't anything to write home about. Uh, that, that's kind of like that was Max Kepler's 2018. Like, you know, he didn't have a bad year. He didn't have a great year. But, you know, we, we put his name in based on these numbers and he did kind of have a mini breakout there. Um, Lord just Goriel is another guy on, on that list of somebody who really increased their, their uh, fly index differential uh, in, in, a, in a positive way last season. Uh, well, he's yeah. a guy that increased everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, like he had, he, he was a tale of two, I guess, like halves between when he got between when he was sent down. Yeah. So that, I don't know yeah. if that would just be home runs. It'd just be like, he just got better. Right. Definitely. Guriel. Yep. Um, so do you think, I don't know. So you're saying there's a chance with Buxton to, are you saying there's a chance? <laughs> there, I mean, there's always going to be a chance. Uh, you know, sometimes guys just take forever to like figure it out. And um, especially when they're toolsy, like they, they tend to move fast. Um, and so I'm, I'm holding out a little bit of hope on him, I guess. Could he be like, he could be the hitting version of Giolito that he's finally going to figure it out. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the problem with him is because he brings the speed that, you know, you, you need speed so badly in, in roto formats. He still gets pushed up to like you know, around pick 150. And you're just, I mean, there is room for profit there. Obviously, if he hits 20 and steals 40, like that's a huge profit at, at pick 150. But, uh, yeah, if he hits 10 and, and steals 20, not quite the same. No, not, not really. But uh, he's an interesting one for sure. So uh, with with um, I read the I read the article and it's a really fascinating it's a great article. If you haven't read the Fly Index, um, definitely go on to Mike Mike uh, Mike's page and t- and take a and take a look at it. But there are there are other factors that I guess aren't considered. And I don't know. Like, and I think you've, you've you've noted them like the juice ball. Um, but there are part like I don't know if you can. I'm not sure, and I don't want to speak out of turn. But I don't know if you considered park factors. And the other thing that the main thing I wanted to ask you about and sort of question is does it consider batter versus pitcher data? So like, for example, in the first half, maybe Lords Gurriel faced like Max Scherzer a hundred times. I'm exaggerating. Right. But uh, I think that would be, a, I would, that would be a big um, component that could sway the data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we don't take any of that into account. Just kind of let the data speak for itself uh, in season. There, there were some funny things happening with like uh, Colorado hitters and then a lot of diamondbacks hitters too. Um, I think uh, being at elevation is, is, is having it, playing some kind of trick with, with the data just a little bit. Um, and, and also like Colorado is a great place to hit, uh, not just because you can hit home runs though, because it's a huge outfield and, and balls will fall in. So, um, you know, you can see guys who have like a, some, some fly ball metrics that look great and they're not necessarily having the home run rate that should correlate to that sometimes. Um, so th- there are things there that could definitely be explored further. Yeah. And I think, the, I think the, 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 this fly index is good because a lot of these, I guess I'll call it a rabbit hole that you, you went down because I'll, I'll do, I'll do that as well. And sometimes, uh, they will be able to tell you whether or not players have been, uh, I guess, hypothetically lucky or unlucky or, um, and, or they could become predictive like what, like what you found here or, or what you're hypothesizing here. So for, for example, um, to, to give an example of something that, that um, I thought maybe would be predictive but ended up not being predictive was I looked at the exit velocity on ground balls uh, for pitchers, right? And um, I looked at uh, the players that had, for example, the lowest exit velocity on, on ground balls. And you have guys like, uh, I'll just single out a player here, Eliezer Hernandez on the Marlins. He had the lowest ex- exit velocity on ground balls, um, mm-hmm. 78.7%. Uh, then there's a whole list of guys that are the highest. But then, if you then you look at what percentage of these ground balls went in for hits for across all all, all of these players, and um, you have players that had a very very high percentage of uh, ground ball hits. So right at the top of that list was James Paxton, thirty seven percent, which was quite high um, of, the, of his grounders went in for hits. So I guess you could consider him unlucky. Hernandez was on the top was in the top I think ten or fifteen of that list. Over thirty percent of his went in for hits. On the flip side, you got guys that didn't let basically any ground balls in for hits, like under 20%, which are guys like Verlander, um, uh, he's a, um, Frankie Montas. So then, then I said to myself, okay, so that's, that could maybe tell you that these players could be um, 
some of these players, some of these pitchers are getting lucky because they have a low, low exit velocity, but a high percentage of hits. Right. So mm-hmm. then what I did was I did an R squared, did correlation of percentage of ground balls that became hits versus the average, average exit velocity. And what I found was that first of all, um, every, every pitcher, um, hit every pitcher who's, um, the exit velocity went up on hits when, when the, when the ball fell in versus what, like all the, 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 sorry, the exit velocity on all ground balls was lower than the exit velocity on just hits. That, that was across the board. So like, there is some sort of, um, the, the inference you can, you can, you can find is that the harder you hit it, the better chance you're getting a hit. But yeah. what I, but what, what, what I found was, and this is a point that I'm trying to get to is when you, when you correlated the percentage of grounders that were hits versus the exit velocity in all ground balls, there was basically no correlation. So the R squared was 0.06, right? Mm-hmm. So that, so this is, I guess that's sort of a, a long way, long winded way of saying that there are sort of rabbit holes that I've, I've dived into there where like you can hypothesize that, yeah, this set of players are, or did get lucky versus these set this set of players did get unlucky and you can, you can plan for some positive or negative regression, but when you actually um, correlate those two, when, when you correlate those two metrics, still it's a lot of random randomness because despite the fact of people hitting batters, hitting it hard or soft against them, it's still a lot of randomness or luck that's going to be involved and that luck is going to continue, I think. So I yeah, think, what, I think what, I think what you had, what you have in this fly index and you, I think I read, what was your R squared? Uh, it was over it, five. It, it was over. Five. It was over five. So I think technically, yeah. um, you can say that's cor- you can say that's correlated, right? I think that's like the technical. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. You know. So I think the I think the I think what you found here is really good because not only not only are you um, illustrating, I guess, players that have quote unquote got unlucky or lucky. You're just, I'm just using that loosely, but you've also um, given strong evidence to uh, to show that this is a predictive measure, and there's probably. Um, there's probably ways to dive into it deeper, like we've just talked about. Yeah. So I think it, I think I think it's awesome. Yeah, and I I will say, um, as the season went on, writing about it, I definitely started to learn that uh, you have to look at it in the lens of of you know a hitter's profile, their, their plate approach. Um, there's guys that I kept popping up, and I I kept you know mentioning their names, and and they never had the breakout, and I was just like what's going on here? I, I feel like this guy should be good. And, and the classic example is Justin smoke. Like he just hits fly balls. That's all he does. His fly index is amazing. Um, he isn't turning them into home runs for some reason. Chris Davis, the same kind of thing with a C Chris Davis with a C like in the early season, he had, you know, he was like a top 10 guy in fly index and you know, people would ask me like, so are you telling me to buy Chris Davis? And I'm like, <laughs> Well, the data is, I don't know if I would tell you to do that. Um, so when you look at guys, you definitely want to look at it with a lens of that. And, and that's why Brian has started to include, uh, you know, the home runs and home run rate. Um, so you can kind of look at it like, okay, Justin Smoke has a 341 fly index, but his home run rate is, you know, just a, a 7.1%. You know, that, that's not that strong. So especially for a guy who hits the ball in the air as much as him, so you, you kind of want to start, start with something and, and then back check it with other metrics. Right. Right. Um, just, I just thought of the, I just, uh, this just came to me and this is, an, this is a question I hadn't thought of before, but you mentioned Chris Davis with a C and a lot of people are, are talking about a player this year who um, got injured last year and um, they're predict, they're predicting a bounce back. Now, Chris Davis with a, with a K, mm-hmm. uh, um, I know, I, I don't think you meant, I don't, I don't think he was mentioned in your articles, but do you recall, um, anything with respect to him? Do you like, um, and you could maybe you didn't look into him, but do you have do, uh, anything with the fly index with, uh, Chris Davis with the, with the K? Uh, you know, not off the top of my head. Um, anybody who wants to, and you, you could definitely jump on, uh, there's a link in that article to, to Brian's tableau page and it's got all of the data on there. Um, for the fly index for you can look at 2018 2019 it's got 2017 2016 in there um so you can jump on there and take a look you can isolate by player i'm, I'm trying to jump on there and do it quickly um yes, i'm trying to find it too and just see where he popped up in 2018 
Yeah, he, I mean, he was top three in 2018, Chris Davis with a K. He had a 341 fly index. Um, so, you know, definitely, definitely strong, uh, definitely strong numbers coming in, you know, and that, that is consistent. Uh, he had a 348 the prior year in 2017, uh, which is probably again up there top five, a 333 strong number in 2016 and, and kind of a depressed, um, you know, that the, the ball was, uh, I believe a little more dejuiced in, in that time. So, um, yeah he could easily get that back up the season uh, and get his home run rate up over 10% and, and hit 40 home runs if he's healthy. Right. Yeah. I think that's a big thing is, is health. I think uh, even if I, I think people that are, uh, pr- are projecting a bounce back are just blaming everything on the health and just sort of throwing everything else in the window, throwing everything else out the window and just um, hoping or predicting that he'll be back to form his 2018 form. Right. So, um, I want to ask you about um, some recent news and some, some players before I let you go. Are we still okay for time? Yeah. Yeah. Keep going, man. Okay. So one guy I've been thinking about a lot is Puig. He's still not drafted in my TGFBI league just because that's <laughs> the league I'm looking at. And we're already well into, I think in the one forties and his ADP was around 110 and falling. Um, I'm wondering if he's signing in Japan. I heard white Sox. I've heard Rockies, but then I heard not Rockies, but then white Sox, you think Mazzara lefty righty. He's going to get the short side of the platoon. Right. I'm I'm worried. I'm not drafting him. I'm not touching him. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I I took kind of an optimistic look last year with a guy like Mustakas and said like he's going to sign. He's too good not to. There's teams that need his bat, um, and you know then he's not a weird. He's not a weirdo like Puig is. Like <laughs> <laughs> right, you know. I mean, I kind of get it with Puig. Like you don't want to. He's a risk. You don't want to give him a. Some teams a, just don't want him. Contract. I was, listening, I was listening to another podcast, uh, Common Sense Fantasy Baseball, Drew Morris, and he, he brought him up, and he, he, I'm, I, just, I thought it was funny. He goes, well, maybe. Like, I don't know where he's going to sign. They're talking about him. Maybe he just signs with one of like a kind of crappy team. And they're like, well, well what about the Tiger? Uh, sorry, the Pirates. They're like, well, wait a second. He tried to murder all the, time, yeah. <laughs> all the Pirates last year. Yeah, so, there's things like that. Like, I don't think he's going to go there. The Dodgers. So, you know, the, yeah, he's sort of um, – he's burning some bridges, sort of like what Jose Bautista did after he left the Jays. They're like, well, yeah. he's not going to go to the Orioles because they hate him. Right. So, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, Puig is some – I guess certain teams just don't want him. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I would really like to see the Phillies sign him, to be honest. It's just on like a one- or two-year deal, a lot of you know money uh, front-loaded. Uh, they they could use it. They're trying to contend. Like their their roster is built for now, pretty much. Uh, you know that that money might be better spent on a pitcher, but they can't do it at this point. Uh, so yeah, I wanted uh, at first I wanted the Rockies to sign him, but now I don't because of how many shares of Sam Hilliard I have. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't want that happen. I, I can't see the Rockies doing that. They. I, I don't mean, want. He's too. He's too. He's too young. They're gonna sign yeah. like uh, who's yeah. left? Who's gonna? Who's left? I'm, I'm surprised they didn't sign Kipnis. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point, like he's got, he's going to, if he's going to play in the MLB, it's going to be a one year deal with maybe oh, yeah. like a, an option or something. But um, yeah, I think the Phillies are, are one of the few teams that have the need and the, the financial ability to do it. So he played um, right. Who's penciled him to be the right fielder right now? Well, they've, they've cut and left, right? Yeah. Was, cut and left. They're, they're trying they're, to have Hazley in center, right? They, they want either Hazley or Roman Quinn to win the job in center. Um, and then uh, in right field, uh, what's his name? Uh, who did they have a right? Not Bryce Harper anymore. I yeah, know I know. Yeah, Harper. Yep. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Har- Harper's in right. You know, I, there you could maybe try to get Harper to to play uh, um, first base. He can fill in in center in a pinch, but like, but Hoskins at first, you can't move him there. Yeah, I mean. I like Hoskins, but he hasn't delivered on his promise. So you think there's a chance Hoskins could just be like a part-time player? Like I would, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened quick. Like I know, I know he's he's not far removed from some pretty good times, but um, you know, uh, he could, you think he could? You think Hoskins could Aguilar? Right. Yeah. Like that, that could happen. Like that's not outside of the realm of possibilities. I don't think it's going to happen. I hope it doesn't. I'm, you know, I like him. I'm a Phillies fan. Um, but, you know, and with McCutcheon coming off the knee, too, like, there, there's just, you know, a lot of uncertainty kind of going in, in, in the outfield right now. Yeah, that's true. 
So if you had to, if you, so if you had to guess at where he's going to, where he's going to be playing, where would you guess? <laughs> um, I'm going to say Japan. You know, he, he really got along with Hanjin Ryu. So yeah, yeah and like <laughs> I can see it. Uh, you know, he like he'd go over there and he'd be a megastar, and he would he would eat that up. So it's not it, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me that much. He would go over there and crush in so many ways. <laughs> I mean, if the money's similar, like if you know what I mean. Yeah, he would do that. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe the White Sox. If I was going to say an MLB team, because I they they've really kind of pushed their chips in. If they could do a one year deal with them, and they got a lot of people from Cuba. Uh, he's from Cuba, right? Yes. So, so yeah, they, 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 got, they got, got a lot of he's got a lot of happening there. <laughs> he have a lot of uh, friendly foes there. Um, yeah. Next, um, I sort of wanted to segue from having a lot of shares of Hilliard into somebody else. Who I have a lot of shares of uh, Griffin Canning. He left today's game with a sore elbow, and they said Madden's kind of concerned. Um, I'm concerned. Yeah, not great. I don't know if there's been any news on that since this afternoon, but um, we're talking on uh, February 27th here. Um, but I'm worried about that. He's poor, he's sort of like uh, for me, maybe he's not. He's I'm not going to look at him till after uh, pick 300 probably now. Yeah, until we get some kind of news, I, I'm going to probably just fade him entirely. Yeah, and I think a lot of people will do that. So I think you might you might be able to get some quote unquote value. <laughs> Uh, and I know people don't want to call it value, but uh, in these draft rooms uh, recently, yeah. Yeah, you, you, uh, you better have waivers, though, if you're, if you're drafting him. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, another guy um, who um, now I'm, I, would, I, wasn't, I was fading this guy altogether. I have zero shares um, of him. But now I would definitely draft him after Mike Clevenger, 100%, is Chris Sale. Mm-hmm. Um, we know he's going to start on the IL to start the year. Um, right. He apparently has pneumonia. He looks sick. Um, <laughs> um, um, and um, I'm not 100% convinced that it, nothing's wrong with his elbow still. Right. I'm still not convinced. I don't, I, he is a complete avoid for me, um, just like Stanton was. Yeah, you know, I haven't been able to really acquire too many shares of sale. And I, like I was interested in him, but I was always waiting for like late third, early fourth kind of deal. And he was just getting picked ahead of me. So I haven't acquired much, but if his price starts to fall, I'm, I may grab some. I don't hate that he's starting the year on the IL. Like, I just feel like that's going to keep him from rushing uh, to, to try and, you know, be the opening day starter and, and maybe just throwing off his rhythm for the entire first month. Um, you know, you might need some patience as he comes back. Like, it took, what, three, four starts before he was even like a, a, a shadow of himself last year um, before the elbow stuff. So that, that could happen again. Uh, but once, once he was back, like he was striking out 10 plus per game. It was well, his K nine was K or K minus walk is ridiculous. Last yeah, year like he, he was striking at like 50% of the batters per game. That he I, I think I, I looked into it and I, I believe that he had the, the highest um, K minus walk percentage yeah. ever for someone with an ERA over four. Yeah, I mean, the, the long ball is definitely doing him in there. That's, um, that's true. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of risk to take on. So, um, yeah, you can get the discount. But the, the name value is going to keep him in, in probably the, the earlier rounds still. All right. So, um, if, you had, um, if you're in a draft right now and you're, say, like, say you're in the fourth or fifth round and somebody, somebody said you have to pick Chris Sale or Clayton Kershaw, who would you take? It's a, dra- it's, a, it's a Kershaw yeah. in a draft champions, no waivers, no trading league. Yeah. I mean, I know Kershaw's definitely not a, a non-zero or isn't a non-zero injury risk, but uh, he's healthy now. Uh, you know, Scott Pianowski likes to say, don't, don't draft injuries. They'll find you. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm, I would take Kershaw. I'm not even a big Kershaw guy. I would take Kershaw over, over sale. Speaking of this, this laundry list, and we know we touched on Stanton, and I'll, let's get into the Yankees here. We'll start with we'll start with Paxton because we're just started. We're we're in that we're we're on a roll with all these pitchers. Um, he's actually ahead of schedule now. So I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you what you're like. Where would you take Paxton, and how does that how does him being injured along with the Herman suspension and Severino, you know, he's gone for the year. How does that impact one Herman? Because I was afraid that he might not win a spot win the spot win a spot back because. Um, somebody, whoever wins that fifth spot is going to be pitching well, I would presume, because they would win that spot. And I, I'd be afraid that he's not getting back in. But now I'm sort of back in on the Herman train. Um, 
think he's, I think he'll be back in the rotation now because just because of what left. And then right. what do you think is going to happen with the rest of it? So what do you think is going to happen uh, for that fifth spot? There's a couple of guys vying for it. So I guess three questions. Where are you drafting Paxton? What do you think about Herman? And who do you think is going to get those um, remaining spots in the rotation coming into the year? Yeah, so on Paxton, I'm kind of disappointed that the news came out. Uh, I was not really scared off with his with his back uh, stuff. Um, I know a couple of people who've had a disectomy like that where you just take a little piece off and uh, – you know, it's, it sounds scary, but it, it actually, the, the people I know would like it, it had really good results and, and alleviated all of their symptoms. You're just waiting for the surgical site to heal uh, and you're back in business. Um, you've got a little less cartilage in your disc now that that's not great. Cause it's, it's higher chance of re-injury. But um, as far as like long, long-term effects from the surgery itself, there, there aren't really any. So um, I think people are getting scared on him and, and I was, you know, hoping to collect some shares. I got him in TGFBI in the 12th uh, around pick like 170. Uh, 170 really. Yeah. So that's, that's late, but I think he's going to start getting pushed back up. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're going to see him going in the top 150 again, now that he's, he's throwing and, and you're going to keep seeing news, news tidbits on him. It's going to, you know, jump 10 picks every time a positive report comes out. I was, I was, I have to admit I was wrong. I've I've done a couple drafts in between his injury and I just considered him dead for the year. <laughs> like that's, 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 that's how I drafted him. I know he'd right. probably be back at some point, but I, I figured it's going to be, june or july and i don't know i mean we're still not out of the woods either though like he's now behind and he hasn't you know he's not where guys are now he's gonna be trying to catch up it's gonna be abbreviated uh you know you're still looking at may early may at the best case scenario i think um so you know it it could it could result in other injury you know if if his mechanics are messed up at all anything like that um we've seen that happen a lot in the, in the past two one injury leads to another. Yeah. So, so you know, it's, it's not without risk, but after pick one fifty, like, yeah, sign me up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. He's still available. He's still available in my TGFBI. We're a little bit behind. I'm, I have pick one forty eight coming up and he's, he's still there. Yeah. I'd put him in the queue for the next couple of rounds. He is in the queue. I don't know if I'm going to take him this round. I got some other guys that, uh, that I like, I like, uh, I got Julio Urias that I like a lot. Um, I would take Julio over Paxton right now. I think they're gonna, they might end up with the same amount of innings. Huh. I, I would take Paxton. Cause I think if they have the same innings, like you're, you're going to get more K's with, with Paxton. Yeah. You're probably going to get more K's. I just think, um, I would uh, innings being a constant. I would take your Urias over Paxton. I would, and I would take your, I would take your eyes straight up over Paxton right now. Um, just um, carte blanche, put your chips on the table. I would, I would take Urias uh, outperforms Paxton in five by five this year. Gotcha. I think you, so you would, you probably take the uh, opposite end of that bet. Maybe. We would, yeah, maybe, I would go Paxton. Maybe we have a little bet going. There you a, go. A little, little friendly yeah. bet. <laughs> um, and then staying on the Yankees, Stanton. So I don't know how long he's going to be out, but I'm not surprised about this. Um, I don't really, I don't really know. He's just always getting injured. I don't want to, like, that's that topic's been beaten to death that he's injury prone. I don't really I don't really want to touch yeah. on it, but I want to ask you, like, who do, who does this impact the most? Let's say Stanton's out for uh, a significant a significant amount of time, enough amount of time that's going to impact other players. So, who do you think um, between Talkman, Anduhar, and Fraser? Who do you think uh, who do you think um, has the the biggest boon there? I, I kind of would have to say Talkman because you know he, uh, Cliff Fraser, you know, I guess had some injury when he when he got when he came in for. Pat, uh, Stanton there uh last season but like they like Talkman you know you get some defense he's got speed uh they hate Frazier I don't (laughs) whatever it is like they just would would rather not see him succeed if if all else was constant they just didn't want the Indians to have him they're like okay you're like we're trading for Frazier from the Indians but we're not going to use him we're just going to keep we're just going to keep him away from you right (laughs) um so I mean you know there there's a chance that like maybe the op, the, you know, new opportunity there and Frazier kind of gets his head right and, and gets back in their good graces. Um, but, you know, I, I think they were, they traded for Talkman. They're comfortable with them. Um, but I, they, they could all see some uptick. It's like Brett Gardner is just another year older. Uh, he's probably going to be a little less efficient. Aaron judge is having some issues. Um, you know, uh, like, so right now, Andohar is penciled in as the DH, um, and, and Talkman's probably one of the outfield spots w- with the other two guys. But if Aaron Judge, for any reason, y- isn't ready to start the year, then 
you're, you're probably looking Talkman, Frazier, and, and Gardner as the outfield. Um, and that, like, locks Andohar into most of the, the DH time. Um, and, and even if, like, Judge is healthy, you know, those three guys could rotate through those spots fairly evenly. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say it impacts Frazier the most beneficially because I think Talkman was in there. Um, um, gotcha. Because Hicks is out at least until I think August. I think Talkman had his role. I think they love, I think I agree. I think, I think they like Talkman, but I think Frazier was, uh, he got, I think he got a chance last year when, when Stanton was of course injured and then he got injured himself and sort of fell out yeah. of the, fell out of the rotation. But yeah, like um, that, that first game he, he replaced Stanton. I think he hit a home run and people like went bananas on in fab. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, including I, myself. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in that group. I, I had to replace some Stanton shares. I was like, yep, this is the guy. Got to get him. I had Frazier everywhere in drafting holes last year, um, yeah. but this year I haven't had him um, because he's a little bit more costly, but I wish I got in on Frazier a little bit more. Um, yeah. I like him. All right, last little piece of information. What Last little um, tidbit here is um, resurrection of these old old horses. Um, and this is, this is probably like, if you classify this as something or nothing, it's probably nothing, but I guess it's sort of fun to talk, talk about Drew Smiley, um, King Felix and Ubaldo Jimenez, Ubaldo Jimenez. I think it's on a sliding scale of, uh, of importance or relevance. I think Smiley could be relevant, but I think it's sort of like, you're you're laughing at me already, but any thoughts on those three guys? Yeah. I mean, I would rank them in that order. Like Smiley is only 30. Uh, he had the arm trouble, so it does take time to get back. Um, he's in San Francisco, right? So that's uh, if you're going to pitch somewhere um, <laughs> and sort some issues out, that's the place to do it. Um, King Felix, like I hate that ballpark fit for him. You know, his velocity is gone now, and mm-hmm. maybe he can make it work and 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 pull a CC, but. Uh, you know, that that's, I think, against the odds there. Yvaldo, um, like, I, I I don't think there's just any chance you're going to get anything out of All it. All right. Seri- serious question, Mike. Ubaldo Jimenez, Ubaldo Jimenez or Bartolo Colon? I mean, Bartolo's had the more recent uh, MLB. That's <laughs> right. Like, I'm, I guess I'm, you should have you yelled at me for not including Bartolo in, in this group, right? <laughs> Is he pitching in Mexico? Did I see that? Yeah, yeah, he's on the same team as Rajay Davis. Wow, in, in Mexico. All right, let's let's end it off here on a couple a couple of fun questions here. Um, uh, I guess well, for, first of all, we'll save that one. For, we'll save the other one for last. But who um, do you have any of your guys that you're targeting like at the end of these drafts? Like I know you're like these best balls are relatively deep, and and Raz Ball is going to be a little bit deeper than the the cut line, and then also you've tra- played some draft champions, some some of your like your deep sleepers. I'm, we're calling them hibernators, like post post 400 ADP that are sort of guys you've been making sure you're getting. Post 400. Yeah. Let me uh, let me open up a. So you can't say like a Mike Talkman, you can't use uh, Hilliard, you can't use like even Urquidy. Like those are, those are, those aren't deep enough. We want to, we want to dig deeper on the, on this show. All right. Let me, let me do some digging then. Um, I mean, it, it breaking the rule. I, I, I just, I'm compiling a good amount of Herman Marquez. Uh, I just think like, there's still the potential there. So I'm going to be watching him pretty closely in the spring and early going. Um, yeah, no, this, this question could be for anyone like they just your guys that you've been getting a lot of, I guess right. uh, it'd be nice if you can give us one that are that's post 400, but just any of your guys that you, that you're just, um, you want, you want to come out of drafts with. Right. Uh, so I mean, if we're talking draft and holds a guy, I've got some interest in um, as a really late player, uh, John Duplantier, uh He was like, everybody was all about him coming off the 2018 Arizona fall league and coming into 2019, like seemed like he should get a rotation spot at some point. They used him in the bullpen. He just didn't work out. Um, but like, it sounds like he's rededicating himself. The rotation is kind of crowded at the moment, but mm-hmm. I feel like that doesn't remain the case very far into the season. You know, uh, like th- three of those spots could all of a sudden open up. Um, so he's just waiting right there. Is probably one of the first guys to get the call if he's healthy and stretched out. So um, he's a late pick that, that I would throw out for that answer. Awesome, that's a good one. Um, yeah, he yeah he's a guy that sort of uh, was a was a top prospect, and he's sort of uh, having some prospect fatigue recently. Yeah. 
That's, um, yeah, that's a good, that's a good answer. Um, so last thing, who are you most interested in watching this spring uh, de- that hasn't de- that hasn't had their debut yet in spring training? I'll tell you, I want to. I really want to look. Uh, I want really, I really want to look at Lamette because I've been getting him in some leagues, and he's just an exciting guy that I want to watch. I think he's pitching Saturday, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so who's who do who do you really who are you really excited to see that hasn't uh, that hasn't uh, that you haven't yet this this spring? Uh, I'm interested in Brendan McKay. Um, you know, he's, he's dealing with a little bit of uh, shoulder stuff, not nothing severe, but like just kind of delayed. Um, he was a really highly rated prospect uh, and, you know, got the, got the raised treatment last year where he wasn't, you know, starting games and was, was coming in behind an opener here and there and whatever. Um, so if he can prove that, that he deserves to, to be a full-time starter, like there's a lot of profit available there, but a lot of risk as well. Okay, cool. Yeah. I heard he's a little bit injured though. Like, I think he had some. Yeah. So, like he's got some shoulder stiffness. So like, it's gonna, it's probably going to be a bit till we see him. Um, but. Cool. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a fun, he's a fun player to watch. He's a two, two way player. Um, yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm just excited that baseball's uh, up and running again. It's a lot of fun. Yes, sir. A lot of fun watching all these, even the spring training games. Um, so I think that's, that's about it. We're going to wrap it up on that. So, um, Mike Alexander, you can find him uh, at Roto underscore one uh, on Twitter. Um, and check out uh, Razball and Fantasy Alarm um, that, that, uh, that, he's, uh, that he's writing some articles for. In particular, check out the Fly Index. Mike, anything else that you want to say before we, get, we, before we go? Yeah, just uh, I'm always on the Twitter machine if you guys want to throw me a follow, uh, at me on a question. Happy to interact. Yeah, do it. All right, Mike, I will chat with you later. Thanks so much for being for coming on the Draft Champions podcast. Again, f- find us at Draft Champagne on Twitter. Give us a follow. Give us a, give us a five-star review. Give us a four-star. Give, give, give us some sort of review. Give us some sort of feedback. And, you know, any, any five-star reviews, you can come on. And, you know what? We'll, we'll, uh, we'll bribe you. Any five-star reviews, come on the show. You'll, we'll, give you a, <laughs> we'll give you a five-minute five minute segment for a five-star review. <laughs> All right. Go. All right, Mike. I'll talk to you later, buddy. All right. Take care, Zach.